of the most exciting services that I love to be in. Baptism. 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 So this morning, as we are uh, here to uh, baptize uh, Betsy Cowan, uh, we just want to just share a word with you, just on, just kind of give us some perspective about baptism. Perhaps you're here and you don't really understand all that is about to take place, and so it's important that you know that this is not something that's light. It is, it is really one of the commandments that Jesus gave us to do as his disciples. And so with that, uh, I'm going to ask you to stand once more. And uh, If you have a child between the ages of 2 and 10, please allow them to go to Children's Church. Um, and uh, they can come right back and see the baptism because we want our children to see and be a part of witnessing this wonderful occasion. And so we want them to be uh, here for that. Amen. Um, this morning, I'd just like to talk to you about the heart of our calling, the heart of our calling. Um, there's nothing to look at on the screen today, so you don't have to listen to me. Is that okay? So if you didn't bring your Bible, you're stuck. Or if you didn't bring any kind of device, you're stuck. Uh, so sometimes you just got to bring that Bible, bring something to read the Word of God. Amen. When you're on the train, you don't have these kind of screens to kind of get the Word of God, but you, you have your Bible, you have a, a device, certainly use that to follow along this morning. Matthew chapter 28, very familiar portion of scripture, starting from verse 16 to verse 20. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 to verse 20. Um, Jesus has risen from the dead. Aren't you glad he rose from the dead? Triumphantly, as he said, people didn't believe that he would rise from the dead. They actually couldn't keep him in the tomb and and so when they went down there, tried to discover where he was or look for his body, the angel met them with a message. Why are you seeking the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen, just like he said. We serve a God who is living, a Jesus that is alive. And so Jesus appears to his disciples, and he says, I'm not finished yet. There's something I have for you to do. And he says, he says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. Do you know that it's so important that when you meet God, it's an opportunity for worship? Uh, did you come to meet God today? Uh, did you come to meet him today? If you came to meet him today, you might as well worship him while you're meeting him. All right. We, we come to worship and we come to meet him. They saw him and they worshiped him, but some, unfortunately, some unfortunately doubted. And Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely... And surely, without a shadow of a doubt, I am with you always to the very end of the age, the heart of our calling. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this. Just reading the word of God just enriches our lives. We thank you for bringing life to us today. Thank you for this moment that we're about to celebrate. Father, one who has committed her life to you. And Father, we pray 
that God, that this be a moment, Lord, we see this as a growing moment for ourselves as well. Thank you, Lord, for each and every hearer as we open our ears and our hearts to hear and receive in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 God bless you as you're seated. Thank you for standing. One thing that we do know is that God loves the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have a lasting life. That's John 3, verse 16. Because he loved the world, it is so important that you understand that he wants to reach the world that he loves. You, you can't say you love the world and you never try to reach the world that you say you love. When you love somebody, you want to call them. When you love somebody, you want to write them. When you, when you love somebody, you really think about them and try to find ways of connection because you, you, there's something about that connection that really kind of bonds you together. And God loved the world. He wants humanity to know him. He wants men to come to him. He wants men to... You, no one is so bad that they can't be saved. Aren't you glad about that? No one is so bad off that they can't be saved. The Bible says those who are called upon the name of the Lord, it didn't say might be saved. They shall be saved. I'm so glad that God saved me one day. Aren't you glad about that? How many of you glad that you have been saved by him? When, when everybody's ready to cast you aside, give up on you, say, you know what? We, get, we can't do nothing with this person. God said, I can do something with him. I made him. I created him. I, I love them. See, he came to save those who were sinners like me. And because he loved the world, he came to seek and to save that which is lost. And so as he talks to his disciples, he says, disciples, now that I have risen from the dead, now that you understand that I am the one that you are looking for, the Messiah, I am the one who, who proclaimed that I am God in the flesh, yet I want you to understand that it's not over. There's, there's something I'm calling you to do, and that is we're called to make disciples. I think the church has forgotten what it really means to be called into discipleship. That discipleship is really an important part or the core of what Jesus has called us to do. I'm grateful for worship settings where we certainly have worship experiences and we have socials. Um, church now is, is really kind of focused even around socials. I love socials. I love meeting people. I love gathering with the saints. But you know, that's only part of what the church does. But if the church forgets the mission or the great commission and it becomes the great omission, we, we shouldn't be having no church. You can't be a church without understanding the importance of discipleship. The making of a disciple is a process. It's a, it's a day-by-day walk with Christ. It's, it's not a one-time shot deal. Just because I'm saved doesn't mean I'm all the way there. Uh, come on now, just because I'm a bishop, I'm not all the way there. Sometimes you may catch me on a day where you know I'm not all the way there. It's, it's important to realize we're all in process. That discipleship is, is following Christ. The word disciple is, is, is a Greek word. It, it really 
means a, a learning believer. It's a learning believer. It's not just a believer, but it's a learning believer. So you could be a believer and just not pursue any type of learning about Christ at all. That the person, you know, is saved. There's a lot of folks that are just saved, and they're saved, and they're satisfied, and they're stuck. They have no ministry, no desire to reach the lost, no testimony of what God has done in their lives to, to somebody that needs to hear a word from them. They are in the secret service, as it were, of Christianity, although it's not that possible to be that. You can't be in the secret service of being a Christian. You're in the Lord's service. Right? He calls us to be his disciples. And this disciples means that you're a learning believer, not a flawless believer. Not a flawless believer. If we, if we are depending on flawless believers, we're all in trouble. I know I'm in trouble. I can't be a flawless believer, but I can be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. One of the, the mission of our house is that we, we, we have come as a, as a house and we're committed to uh, introduce, develop, and empower people to faithfully follow Jesus Christ in order that each person may fulfill their purpose in the church community and the world. That the church has an obligation to follow Christ, but also to reach others with the gospel. And not only just to reach them, but to disciple those who receive the gospel. A believing learner, Jesus says these words. He says, if you continue in my word, this is in John chapter Uh, 8 verse 31. He says, if you continue in my word, that's an if. He says, if you continue my word, it's conditional. If I continue in his word, he says, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Isn't it important that you can't be free unless you follow all the way through? You can't really truly know what it means to be a true disciple unless you continue in the word. Continue in the word. Turn to somebody and say, you got to continue in the word. you got to continue in the word. You, you can't stop at the word you got last week. How many of you ate something between last Sunday and this Sunday? Did anybody eat anything? Anybody, anybody, on, a, anybody on total fast? Anybody, anybody? Some of y'all on total fast. I, I can see it. Y'all can see you're on total fast. No, no, but generally you probably had something to eat between last Sunday and now because your body needs to continually eat to be healthy. And so it is spiritually, spiritually, we must continually follow Christ in order to be healthy believers. And the reason why there's so much unhealthiness these days, I'm not too sure how we're continuing in the word, continuing in our devotional life. Continuing in our prayer life. And so I want to encourage you to be a disciple to continue in the word. Never be satisfied with what you received last week, last year, last month, or even yesterday. Amen. I like leftovers sometimes, but sometimes if you eat leftovers too long, it's going to be something that's going to make you sick. God has a fresh word for you every day. He has fresh manna for you every day. He has something to say to you now in this season of your life. When you're making decisions and you have to go out on your job and you're really having a tough time raising your children, he has a fresh word for you today. 
Fresh word of wisdom on telling you what to do. Fresh knowledge of things that you didn't know before. Fresh understanding where you're confused and you don't know what's happening in your life. God has something fresh for you if you continue in the word. So why do we baptize? Well, baptism means to immerse. It means to immerse. It means to plunge under. And the first thing that we see uh, around this whole understanding of baptism is when, of course, John was baptizing. And he, they called him John the Baptist. Now, he wasn't a Baptist. Like a Baptist preacher or a Baptist church. He was a bap- They called him John the Baptizer. His last name was not Baptist. What's your name? John Baptist. No, I'm not John Baptist. I'm the baptizer. He was known as one who baptized. And why was he baptized? He was baptizing those who were Jewish, who were following, who were converted to the message of Christ. It was baptism, which is a baptism of repentance. And his cousin came to him in the person of Jesus. Jesus had a cousin named John, right? John was Jesus' cousin, and as he sees him baptizing, he recognizes that this baptism is a baptism of repentance. And Jesus said, hey, uh, John, cousin John, I, 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 I want to be baptized as well. And John is stunned. What? Why do you need to be baptized? In fact, I need to be baptized by you. And the, the funny thing about it is Jesus says, no. Suffer to be done now because it's the fulfilling of all righteousness. This kind of throws a little twist because Jesus was sinless. He didn't need to be baptized. He had nothing to repent of. Now, I know there are people that have nothing to repent of. They may be sitting next to you. They may be sitting around you. They have nothing to repent of because, they, they, you know, they had an old, an old show on television uh, they called it Happy Days. Anybody remember Happy Days? All right, so all y'all aged out yourself. All y'all aged out yourself. I already know the audience I'm talking to now. If you don't know, y'all don't know nothing about no Happy Days, right? You, if you had the old reruns of Happy Days, uh, you, know, you know Henry Winkler, you know his name was Fonzie. Right, Fonzie, you know, Fonzie. Fonzie was cool. He had leather coats on. He rode motorcycles. He'd go, hey, you know, he, he, was, kind of, he was kind of fun. You know, hey, you know, you know, he had his hair always combed, nothing out of place, nothing out of place. Just, he was always the guy who was cool. But one thing he could not do, he could not say that he was wrong. If he ever said he was wrong, he would go, I was He never said he was wrong. And see, Jesus had nothing to repent of. He had nothing to ask God for forgiveness for. So why did he do it? One of the reasons he did it, because he wanted to set an example for his disciples. Sometimes it's very important, even though you don't need to do it, it's good to set an example for somebody else. Even though you don't need it. Even though you don't need it, it's good to set the example for somebody else. A disciple sets an example for others to follow. If we were to put you in a place where we said, what, whatever you do, the person next to you is going to follow you, would they recognize the Christ 
if they followed your pattern and way of life? Or would they question it? Would they go, I'm not too sure that this person is really a believer or not. I'm not too sure. They may go to church on Sunday, but I'm not too sure. We follow Christ's example. The second thing is we obey Christ. in, In this passage, he calls them to obedience. He says, teach them to what? Obey. Can you say that word, obey? Obey, obey. Did anything get tight in you? I ain't going to even say the things that can get tight. But, you know, when you call this word to obey, this, this word obey is, is really to submit yourself under. It, it really means to give yourself to the directions of one who is speaking. So that means that it's important that when Jesus speaks to me, that I recognize that I may not feel it, see it, taste it, touch it, but I need to obey it. I have parents. Maybe you had some of the same parents. Um, they, 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 when they raised us, we were question boxes. I, I was a question box. So, you know, and the question was always, why? Why? Now, they would give us an answer. They would give us an answer. And sometimes the answer went like this, because I said so. And I didn't understand all that. They just said, because I said so. But why did you say so? Because I said so. They recognize that sometimes, you know, we want explanations for everything that God says when we should just say, God, I trust you enough to just simply obey you. Loving obedience. It's loving obedience. God is not going to put, put your, your, your arm behind your back wrestle you to the ground to get you to submit to him. He wants a love relationship with us that we obey him. Third reason, it's a public decoration. That when a person is baptized, it's in the public square, public setting. Back then when John was baptizing and during the times of the baptism that you see in the book of Acts, it wasn't behind closed doors, it was in a public square. It was, it was in the open. It was, whenever a person was being baptized, you automatically knew that, say, no, this person is identifying and a follower of Jesus Christ. And so the reason why we do it in services like this, now we could have baptized Betsy maybe on a Friday night at 1 a.m. And she said, you know what, I got baptized, y'all. You say, oh, wow, that's cool. You'd be wondering, why would they baptize people at 1 a.m. in the morning? Are they trying to hide something? It's, it's public. It's a public decoration. Um, our gospel is a gospel that we should never be ashamed of. In fact, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to those that believe. How are they going to be saved if they don't hear the gospel? So whether you're on the train or in the bus or wherever you're at, it's, there's opportunities that are going to come to you that way you're going to be able to step right in and just share the gospel, the good news. It's good news, everybody. It's good news. They need good news about the healing and the salvation and the deliverance, and they need your testimony. They need what God has done for you. It's public. It's public. How many of you would admit that you missed some opportunities to go public with your faith? I know I have. And I said, man, that was an opportunity just to share the gospel. 
But yet God redeems these moments for us. And we go public. And so the significance of this, and I'm ready to close, we move from death to life. When we're baptized, it's a, it's a symbol that we move from death to life. That we're dead to sin and now we're alive to God. Um, we, we're not sinless, but we are certainly sinless. Did you get that? <laughs> we're not sinless, meaning that without sin, but we should be sinning less. It's kind of like if I, went to the, if I went to a doctor and I had a surgery and, I, uh, and they said, okay, you're in recovery and never, nothing ever happened. I was still just the same way as I was when they opened me up. I would say, well, wait a minute. What, why am I not healing? Why is this not getting any better? I, my expectation is that I would be on my feet. My expectation, I'd be ha- have a normal schedule or be able to do my normal activity. But as you're a believer in Christ, you're seeing yourself grow day by day. That we go from faith to faith. We go from glory to glory. You should be dissatisfied and say, God, why am I not growing? Something in us desires to grow when we're truly a brand new person in Christ. So here it is. It's also a symbol of being brand new or having this new life. Um, As we follow Christ, the old life is going to go away. We are to put on the new man. Just like you put on clothes. Anybody ever had new clothes? I like new clothes. I do. You know, you like new shoes. Anybody like new shoes? Ladies, y'all like new shoes. Y'all waiting for that red bottom, right? Do you hit that new shoes? Right? Lois, you like new shoes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I like new shoes. Brothers, they like new cars. They like new stuff. Some like new jewelry or something that's new. And, you know, it's the same way when God begins to work in our hearts, uh, not only are we called to have this transition from death to life, but then we put off the old self, and we have to put on the new self. Somebody say, Lord, dress me up. <laughs> Lord, dress me up. It, it's, it's one of those things where the old attitude, the old, the old, the old self goes away. That's why... Uh, in, in Colossians chapter 3, after Paul talks about this whole understanding about baptism and coming into this new life, he said, now, now that you be risen with Christ, set your affections on things above and not on things of the earth, for your life is now hid in Christ and God. That means that now you're putting off the old man. That's where he goes. He talks, put off the old self and put on the new self so that there's an exchange of what... I had before to what God has for me now. And so baptism is really a, a powerful symbolism of what has taken place in a life. And so if you have not been baptized, if you have not been baptized, I want to encourage you to be baptized. I want to encourage you to follow Christ's example. I want to encourage you to go public with your faith. Invite your friends, invite your family. Let them go, what? Are you, you says up in there. I know. Now I know if they can get up in God, I can get up in God because I know. I know them. I know them. 
I remember we did a baptism. We baptized individuals. They came just to see if it was real. They said, oh, my goodness, if God, you can do something for them, you can sure enough do something for me. And aren't you glad that God loves us so much that he's willing to send his son to die for you? Send his son to die for you. But not only that, he calls us into a place where we go from death to life, and that is the heart of our calling. So this morning, we're happy to present to you one who has decided to follow Jesus and one who has decided to follow his example to obey this command of baptism and also walk in the newness of life. Amen. So we congratulate and commend this great, powerful decision today, Betsy Cowan. Amen. Awesome. So this morning, we're going to give her a chance to say something to you and share with you. Uh, about her te- we're testimony in Christ, and you're going to be blessed by that. But I also will say to you, if you are not baptized, how many of you got communication cards? Anybody got communication cards? You got one? It came with your offering envelope. You should have it. Uh, right on the card, it should say that you want to be baptized. Am I right or wrong? It's right there on the back. Our visitors found it. <laughs> Our guests found it today. Our guests. So I guess... I want you to know that we believe that Christ has called us to a place where we celebrate this wonderful new experience. So without further ado, I'm going to call Betsy Cowan, and she's going to come. Would you give it up as she comes? You can stand anywhere you want. You want to stand here? Good morning. Good morning. Um, I'm usually not nervous. I love public speaking, but I'm nervous today. Um, So I just wanted to share a few things about what I feel like God is doing in my life. Um, And I just want to say I am so grateful that my parents are here. Um, I'm excited to take this step, and I just wanted to share. I'm grateful for the opportunity to share what it means to me, too. Um, So my parents were here for my baptism 37 years ago, right around this time of the year. Um, And I, I believe God did something through that and covered me for that season. And I'm so grateful to have been raised in a family that loves Jesus and taught me to follow Jesus. Um, And then when I was 13, I went with my mom um, to hear a woman speak. Um, Her name is Dr. Alice Brown Collins. Some of you might know her. Um, And I was, um, obviously I'd been raised in the faith, but I was struggling with whether I really wanted to follow Jesus or not. I was kind of in and out. And she, I felt like that night she was speaking only to me and talking about giving up the struggle and following Jesus 100%. And she gave an invitation and asked if folks wanted to come forward, and I was the first out of my seat. Um, And in that moment, she prayed for me and said, this is, you know, I was crying, and she said, those are tears of struggle because you're giving up the fight and giving your life to Jesus fully. So thank you, Mom, for that invitation to be there that night. And then shortly thereafter, I declared my faith publicly in the church, and I would say I've been... um, publicly declaring my faith every day as I can, um, and learning certainly um, when I don't. And um, I think my life with Jesus has been an adventure. Um, Traveling overseas, coming back to Boston, um, going through ups and downs, um, but learning to trust Jesus more and more. Um, And I think this is a new season. Um, I believe that God is calling me into something new, into something um, that I don't even understand, um, but I am excited to obey and to trust what God is doing. 
Um, and I think there are things that I, I need to be to put to death. So I've been praying about that this week, fasting and praying about what God is asking me to put to death and what new things are coming to life. Um, and I think the last thing, too, is I think this is a season of surrender. And, Mom, I'm learning that from you. So I think often our culture sees two different postures when we are faced with hardship. Either we fight it or we give up completely. And you're surrendering. And you're surrendering to what God is doing and how other people can care for you. And that is a gift to watch and be a part of. And we went through a hard time even on Friday um, <laughs> with some health up, ups and downs. And it's a gift to be there with you, Mom. So I don't know all that God is doing in this season. Thank you. Um, but I am, I am ready to surrender to that, to be uncomfortable, to allow people to take care of me, and especially to allow God to take care of me in this new season. Um, so I'm grateful for this family, um, for the invitation to do something scary and important, um, for the invitation to be uncomfortable. Um, and also, I just have to say, this church is so well prepared for this. So thank you. That is a gift, to know that I'm in really good hands and I can trust um, that you are following Jesus and encouraging me to do the same. So I'm excited about what's going to happen next. Isn't that good? So again, if, if, if you have not been baptized, I'm not going to ask you to put on a gown right now, so you don't have to fear about that. But please write on the card uh, that you'd like to be baptized and need come into the waters of baptism. Um, certainly we'll have a class for you, and you too can share your faith. And uh, at the time of the offering that will be received after the baptism, uh, you can just put that card in the envelope, and certainly we'll follow you up uh, with the time of baptism. Amen? Yeah. Aren't you glad to be here? Amen. Amen. So if you like, if you like I'm going to invite the family members. If you'd like to draw, come a little closer, because I know the pool is right here, so if you want to come a little closer to see. You can come a little closer to see. All right. You can come right here, okay? <laughs>